0: I want to share with you um, a really important foundation uh, again this is what the strategic foundations that help shape our decisions it's it's since it's valentine's i thought i'd throw in a box of chocolates um I, it all depends what kind of chocolate i'm not sure if you like dark chocolate or not but there you go thought you'd enjoy that uh, also every once in a while someone comes into your life with, out of nowhere and makes your heart race and changes your life forever We call those people cops. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Um, A police officer actually wrote that to me yesterday. I thought that was funny. I said, I'm going to share that at Hope Fellowship. Um, a Valentine from Jesus. We're going to come back to this part uh, in a couple weeks. But uh, this is a, a cool way to see it. I came across this meme the other day and I thought it was great. I pursued you. Uh, this is Jesus pursuing us. We didn't pursue him. He forgave us, everyone. Uh, he's joined himself to us. That's a great gift. We're one with the one who is one with us. Uh, Jesus did it all because he loves us. That's huge, okay? And then, uh, I'm so glad you belong to me. This is Jesus saying that to all of us. And so we, we do, we belong to Christ. And that's a really cool Valentine thought for today. This is real love. Uh, Henry Nowen wrote this just uh, this past week, uh, got this email. God pitched his tent among us. When St. John says that fear is driven out by perfect love, he points to a love that comes from God a divine love. He does not speak about human affection, psychological compatibility, mutual attraction, or deep interpersonal feelings. All of that has its value and beauty, but the perfect love about which St. John speaks embraces and transcends all feelings, emotions, and passions. The perfect love that drives out all fear is the divine love in which we are united to participate. The home, the intimate place, the place of true belonging is, therefore, not a place made by human hands. It is fashioned for us by God, who came to pitch his tent among us, invite us to his place, and prepare a room for us in his own house jesus pitched his tent in our hearts he pitched his tent on this world like this is incredible when we realize the perfect love came to us in divine form and in human form i love that pretty cool all right let's get into this the navigating forward uh, the foundations that shape our decisions so far we've covered three and today we're going to get into the fourth one finally the first foundation of how to How do we look at our future? How do we look at this COVID future? How do we look at job future, family future, all this stuff? Uh, It's great. But attitude of gratitude is incredible. You need to begin with a place or from a place of contentment. If you begin from a place of lack, you're going to have a really hard time. Number two, learn from those who've gone before you. You don't know it all. We talked about the story of Joseph in the Old Testament, how he went through a lot of difficulties and how he navigated those difficult, difficult circumstances. And then we need to have eyes to see. We need to check our prescription and blind spots. What are you focusing on? The last two weeks, we talked about what to focus on. There's more going on behind the scenes than we know. Uh, when Elisha prayed for his servant to open the servant's eyes, suddenly this guy's eyes were open and he saw the angelic spiritual world. The spiritual world is real, folks. There's more going on around us than we possibly can know or perceive. And if we ask God, I think he will show us. So give us a sense of understanding or give us some insight into what is going on behind the scenes. I had a great conversation with one individual this week. We just begin to talk about what about the spiritual world. And uh, it's really super real. And I think it's great. And so today we're going to talk about resolving in advance. You will have challenges and trouble in life. How do we navigate forward? How do we plan in advance some of our responses or, or, or uh, how we're going to deal with the difficulties that when they do hit? Are we training ourselves? So this whole story today, so Rakshak and Benny is part of it, but we're going to begin with the beginning of Daniel. How did this all begin? Well, this is kind of important because uh, the story of Daniel, uh, even, even though we're hearing Daniel's lens uh, of what's re- being written here there are some other books in the old testament that share a more detailed story of how um uh, these people were taken captive um so you'll take a look at that later if you want to uh, i can i'll try to remember next week to tell you where else in scripture you see these stories because in the old testament there's um there's a, the full length story of of all the stuff going on and then you have these drop-in apps um, plug-and-play which is what Daniel is Daniel is a plug-and-play story in a bigger picture so anyway here we go Um, the story of the attack on Jerusalem phase one so this is important the book of Daniel begins with an attack and King Nebuchadnezzar sends people to attack Jerusalem they uh, take back some of the uh, uh, items from the temple which you're not supposed to be able to do but God allowed them. Do you, remember this? do you remember a number of stories throughout the Old Testament where if anyone that was not a priest touched anything to do with uh, um, special uh, elements in the temple, they would die instantly from contact? But somehow God allowed that not to happen which begs a question for some other things and legitimacy of some of the stories. It's, it's very interesting. So anyway, here we go. Um, King Nebuchadnezzar now has permission from God, I guess. He, he allowed it to happen, however you wanna do it. And then they take a bunch of captives. Now listen to this. This is in Daniel chapter one, verse four. It says, select only strong, healthy, and good looking young men, he said. Make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning are gifted with knowledge and good judgment and are suited to serve in the royal palace train these young men in the language and literature of babylon the king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens they were to be trained for three years and then they would enter the royal service so the reason i said this is phase one is because this is a a preemptive attack Uh, to follow by another captivity, all right? This is just the first wave of coming in. They took all the strongest, the best, the best-looking, the best-trained, the smartest, and they hauled them off to Babylon to groom them for leadership roles because later, when they were going to take siege and take everyone else, then they would put these Jews who have been now trained in Babylonian thought and philosophy, they would now be sort of trusted by the Jews because, hey, these are our people. These are our boys. And then they would you know, be more open to being taught. So this is a very interesting way uh, that Nebuchadnezzar had uh, for conditioning people he was going to take as, as slaves or just take over a country or whatever he was doing there. But he says, take the good-looking and the strong and healthy. Very interesting how that that was part of the reason. So obviously, the four men that we're going to be talking about today were young, strong, good-looking guys. Well, the very first thing they did when they arrived, they were given new names. This is a really big deal. I, I know I taught a sermon a number of years ago on uh, do you know your name. I, I like to reteach that sometime because it's it's really, really. important. Maybe I'll teach that when we come to the identity part of this series. We'll see. Um, but here's what happened. So we remember them as Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But did you know that Daniel's name was actually called, He they called him Belteshazzar, all right? And then the Jewish name for Shadrach was Hananiah. The Jewish name for Meshach was Michelle And then uh, Abednego, his name was Azariah. And so they changed their names to have a Babylonian um, um, spin to it. Um, because people were very devoted to the meanings of their names in these days in fact a lot of people took a lot of time to process names in fact today we see that happen people trying to figure out what names to name their their kids however (laughs) um, uh, sometimes we have to go through books we go what kind of names you go through all these name books and or we type up what's the most common name, what names not to use. <laughs> I think some people should use that list a little bit more often and realize what not to call their kids. Who knows? But it's kind of fun. Uh, it, it represents something. So when um, uh, we named my son Noah, um, we named him Noah, not because it was a cool name per se. Uh, we love the name. But we had just gone through a lot of difficulty in our lives, a lot of transitions. We had lived in multiple places in the in, in, over the span of uh, Lori's pregnancy. And over that year, I think we had four different addresses, pretty much. I think, yeah, something like that in one year. And so the name Noah means to wander and then find rest. And I thought, that is so appropriate. And so uh, that's how Noah got his name. Um, and then, you know, each of our other kids' names, we, we talked it through, names mattered, so here we go these four guys were then trained for three years in the school so at the beginning of this time you read that part that the king gave his food from his royal palace so we're talking creme de la creme was it fattening was it what who knows what it was but these four guys had already determined in advance not to defile themselves Daniel he was one of the four guys here's what he says in Daniel uh, Daniel 1 chapter 8 and the other three were part of that all four of them were together on this but it says Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and the wine given to them by the king he asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods this is critical This is the whole point of today's message of when you're trying to strategize how to handle the future, there are some things you must resolve in advance to determine in advance. Otherwise, you just go and get sucked into the ebb and flow and and react to to stuff that comes at you instead of being more prepared uh, deep inside of how your response should be. Uh, I've got a lot to learn in this one. Trust me, this is a big one. But there was a determination that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had even before they arrived in uh, Babylon, all right? On the way there, they it, it, another story, I forget where it is now. I wish I could remember. But it, um, in one of the other books in the Old Testament, it, it talks about the story of their resolve, their determination ahead of time on their way there uh, to not give up believing in their God and honor him above all. And so another translation says, but Daniel purposed in his heart. So determining is one word, purposing deeply, or Daniel made up his mind in advance of what he was going to do. And then the word resolved is one I love. He resolved, which is a deep internal determination of what he was going to do. They resolved not to defile themselves. And so they asked for a testing. Daniel went and asked one of the, uh, the head honchos in that uh, training camp. And uh, he asked, hey, can you test us uh, for 10 days? Give us the vegetables and the water, stuff that we are asking for. Don't give us the stuff from the king. And then compare us to the other guys in 10 days. What can possibly happen in 10 days? Well, apparently they were very successful. And you got to remember this. It says in, in the text, in Daniel chapter 1, God gave the leaders respect for the four men. So there's, there was a supernatural thing going on behind the scenes. And I believe Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego felt emboldened. They could sense there was something different. And they, they did not want to give up their conviction, so they went ahead and asked. They were given a blessing by those leaders to not have to eat all that food. And turns out, they were much stronger they were more buff the hub maybe the color of the skin was better maybe the other guys were all overeating this whatever wasn't good for you all their cheeseburgers and and fries and poutine and all that stuff and and we're looking a little more drab you know so a little extra curves to to flatten who knows in 10 days but either way it became obvious and uh uh, that was kind of cool plus it also says uh, God gave all four of them unusual aptitude. So, you know what? Your your personal abilities, um, your self-taught confidence, yeah, it, it can have some value. But you don't rely on it. It is God who gives us our aptitude. It is God who gives us our direction and blessing. Like, I, I think there's so much we can learn from being still. And hearing the voice of God either confirm with peace directions and steps we need to take. And again, remember, these guys are just taken from their homeland. They're taken captive to be retrained. They were taken against their will, and they still chose, they chose not to cave in. All right. Well, here's something else that happens. Daniel chapter 2. King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. Now, Last week, the week before, we talked about King Pharaoh having a dream and how important that was in determining what the future was. And we heard the, heard the dream of the, the, the baker and the cupbearer. So dreams plays a, a, a major part throughout the, the... I know, Joy, you're smiling already. Big grin. I can see the grin through the camera. <laughs> uh, but here, King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And I've talked about this dream before with Hope Fellowship under a different context but uh this is kind of cool i think um there are two dreams that uh daniel interprets we're only going to deal with this one today because this is part of the story and there's a big lesson here to learn i I hope you'll catch it i'll make it clear as best i can but if it doesn't hit your heart it doesn't hit your heart maybe you'll get something totally different out of this than what i think you're going to get but here nebuchadnezzar has a dream in chapter two so these guys are all trained or they're already working in the king's court. However, they're doing it. They're part of the wise men. So the king is disturbed. And this, this king, listen, he seems like a real crazy, he can fly off the handles. Like anybody else we know these days in political leadership, my goodness. But anyway, he was kind of a loose cannon. And so he has this dream and he, he, he's, he's disturbed. And he said, guys, I, I'm trying to figure out what my dream is. And uh, and I want to know the interpretation, and so uh, he goes and asks his wise men, his magi, and all these astrologers, and they're saying, "King, we can't t- w- w- tell us what the dream is, and we'll we'll tell you what it means." He says, "No, you tell me what the dream is. If you think you're good, if you think can see and know th- and have that kind of insight, tell me what my dream is." And the guys say, "King, nobody can tell you what your dream was. Nobody can do that but God. Or whoever they said it was." And he threatens to kill all of his wise men. Well, what good are all of you then? Off with their heads. Done. I want you guys finished. Like, this is how irrational Nebuchadnezzar was. These people that he counts on for counsel. Goodbye. Wants to lop their heads off. So it turns out, um, the, the, uh, the wise men slayers come to where Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are. And Daniel, remember, he's been given favor. He speaks to these guards who've come to kill him, and he negotiates with them. And they show favor and allow him uh, the 24 hours or the overnight at least to sort out, hey, you know, we'll, we won't kill you right now. We'll, we'll wait till tomorrow. And so the four of them begged God. They prayed and pleaded for insight and understanding. And the very next morning, they have an answer. Daniel not only has an interpretation for the dream, but he has the full dream in his mind. God had shown him what this dream was. And here's what the dream was. I love this dream. I had no idea what this meant growing up. I had no idea until about 2013. I think it was 2013 was the first time I had an unbelievable wake-up call to what this dream means. And man, is it ever exciting! Like this, this is like um, super wow kind of stuff. Uh, I won't go ahead and get into all of it, but I'll show you kind of what happened. So here's basically the dream. Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream uh, of a statue made of different things. There's there's gold, um, silver, bronze, and so on. So on. I'll, I'll tell you the elements in a minute because I have a picture I'm going to show you. Um, and then a stone comes and destroys. Uh, this statue by hitting the feet that are mixed of clay and iron so here we go Um, the the gold head represents Babylon Persia is the uh, next kingdom that comes after that the Greek kingdom comes next then the Roman Empire shows up uh, later and of course uh, the feet are the uh, mixed tribes that we uh, sorry the the Uh, provinces of rome rome had gotten so big they divided them into provinces put uh leaders over each of the provinces there are 10 of them 10 toes but there's a lot of division things became power hungry so that that's why these toes were made out of clay and uh iron um but then this rock comes daniel says this rock that was cut from a mountain not by human hands and the rock comes hits the toes you can see in the in the picture there Uh, hits the feet and the whole thing collapses but here's what the picture does not say this is the best part oh my goodness some of you have heard the story yeah i remember that one from Sunday school pretty cool eh? yeah but you didn't hear this part you weren't told this or if you did it wasn't wow you didn't who cares right but this is the exciting part the dream's neat but the rock that comes hits the feet crushes And knocks over this whole, all the empires of the world. This rock then grows and grows and fills the whole earth. Uh, That's all I can tell you for now. But here's what happens. Oh, so let me go back to this. Sorry. Um, This whole dream, uh, Daniel then tells the king, King, uh, you are this Babylonian empire. The head is you. The statue is you. Um, This is about what is coming. And so he says, after you're gone, another kingdom will come. And we, talk, we find out from history, it's Persia, Greece, and Rome. But a pretty powerful image. And so the rock, here's the cool part about the rock. The rock, I believe, is Jesus coming at the right time and grows and fills the whole earth. The kingdom has come. This happened 2,000 years ago. This is Daniel getting a picture of the coming kingdom of God. The kingdom has arrived We don't have to pray, may your kingdom come. It's here. Like this is a really big, big revelation. So there are some discrepancies. People do see uh, the 10 toes uh, interpreted differently. That's fine. I've heard all those, but I'm sorry. None of them made sense until this. And suddenly it all clicked. And I realized, oh my goodness, the end times theories that are swirling are ridiculous. They have no context, and especially in light of this. Oh, my goodness. There is hope, people. There is good hope for us. We need a more hope-filled perspective on the scriptures. We need a more hope-filled perspective on who God is. He's better than what we've been told. We need more. Anyway, I can make a good list for you. All right, Daniel. So Daniel tells the dream. The king goes, yes, that's my dream. Wow, they are amazing. Holy smokes. (coughs) And it rewards Daniel. And he points Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to important roles. Isn't that great? Clap your hands. Well, here's what happens. This leads us into the second part of the story, and I've got I'm going to go over a little bit today. Uh, ten afters where I'm going to go to, just because I I'm, ah, I need to get this done, um, and there's so much here that I want to do. So we've got Daniel being rewarded. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have important roles, and now Daniel seems to be doing something else. He seems to be doing something apart from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which lays the foundation for this next story in Daniel chapter two, but this dream that was interpreted becomes an obsession later and it goes to his head remember this is what this is what's in daniel chapter 2 verse 37 daniel says your majesty you are the greatest of kings the god of heaven has given you sovereignty power strength and honor he's made you the ruler over all the inhabited world and has put even the wild animals and birds under your control. You are the, the head of gold. Gulp. Now listen. For a king who loves to hear a lot about himself. This is like super pampering. Okay. Like overkill in many ways. But unfortunately. Watch what happens in chapter 3. Because I believe Nebuchadnezzar forgets the source of the dream's wisdom. And it now goes to his head. And what do we have? He makes a statue. Can you believe it? The kid's story today. This is Now we're getting to what the kid's story was. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He makes a statue. And I believe this is probably inspired by the dream. Why not? How can the dream of a big statue and now a, he makes a statue? Come on. It's easy to connect the dots in my mind. Either way. So he takes this dedication service. He invites everybody to come, and he wants to give a dedication of the statue. But then he flips it and turns it into a bow down and worship the statue mode. All right? And, okay, if you remember the kid's story, remember the very beginning? Then a herald shouted. A herald? Herald named Harold? You know, I thought it was hilarious. I caught this last night. I was pasting this in. and went, oh, my goodness. That was hilarious. Anyway, he said, the herald shouted, people of all races nations and languages listen to the king's command here's something kind of funny what if you don't understand the the herald's language but he's speaking to all the languages anyway it's just very funny maybe there are people interpreting i don't know and so he their command to bow down to this well obviously some other wise men have been growing in jealousy which is a common theme throughout scripture people being jealous of god's blessing look sometimes when you're getting blessed it's it's probably not the wisest to flaunt or you know not show humility stay humble and i think shadrach meshach and abednego were but either way they were jealous they saw that they had been given advancement and promotion uh favored by the king and they wanted to take him out somehow and they kind of figured that shadrach meshach and abednego are probably not going to bow because they've learned their character by now so here's what happened They find out that the three did not bow down. So the king is infuriated and calls the three men before him. Say, hey, why didn't you bow down? And here's what happens in Daniel 3, verse 16. He said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. Whoa. Talk about pretty bold, bold language to speak before the king. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. And then verse 18 is the balance. Folks, I wish Christians would have more balance in their terminology of God told me this and all the prophesying stuff that seems unbalanced. Listen to this. They say, but even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty That we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Why did they say this? They resolved in advance not to bow down. The fire is now stoked seven times hotter because the king is so off his rocker, so ticked off, not thinking right. So he says, make that seven times hotter, toss them into the fire. In fact, the strong men that they uh, used to um, um, bind them up, and b- they had their clothes on, they had their turbans on. Turbans, turbans, okay? Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had turbans. And they threw them on with all their clothes on, which means they should have burned extra quick. They were tied up extra strong but the men he threw him in died because the father so fire the father the fire was way too hot. So this is a freaking hot, hot fire. So the king's watching he says, how many men did we throw in? I thought we threw in three. Yes oh King we did. Well how come we see a fourth man? What's with this fourth man? It's like this kid's story. what? <laughs> what is this? Call him out get him out. I wonder how they possibly called out the four, so the three guys from the furnace. Because um, they're probably not going to the side of the door where it's so hot and say, come on, you know, come and get them. They called them out and the three came out. Here's the miracle part, besides not dying. <laughs> not a single smell of smoke. I think they're, if I'm not mistaken, the scriptures say that the, the ropes were all burned off that was binding them, but none of their clothes, none of their hair, nothing was cinched, they didn't even smell like smoke. First of all, that's pretty cool, but not dying is also really cool. I'm for that. I'm sure you are as well. Well, then the king gives the three even greater favor and safety to believe in their God. He determines if this God can do this, then nobody else is allowed to bash your God. And so there's there's another favor that's given, and Nebuchadnezzar has a humbling moment. So there is room, people, for those who are hot-headed, irrational for them to come around god has ways of getting our attention even the people we can't stand that's a pretty powerful picture so came across this i thought you guys might find this cheeky and fun may the fourth be with you daniel 325 that's for all of our star wars fans who (laughs) didn't realize that there's a reference in the old testament (laughs) all right all right lastly remember shadrach Meshach and Abednego, God didn't put out the fire. He just put Jesus in there with them. It's not about God putting out your fires. It's about who is, who is in there with you. Too many times we ask God to deliver us from our pain, to deliver us from our problems. Well, maybe he never promised to deliver us from our problems. Maybe he promised he'll never leave us nor forsake us. I think that's very accurate sometimes sometimes we're praying for the wrong things we sometimes we pray for people that god will remove the crisis and we're all praying a a prayer that's vain and meaningless because god may have no intention of removing it maybe this is the way things are to be but he's going to reveal his peace in the circumstance maybe that's a better way to pray I've been praying like this for a while for people now. When people lose loved ones or are going through terrible things, I pray the peace of Christ will be present. Not only present, because I know it will be present. It's impossible for God's peace and presence not to be present. Okay? He's everywhere all the time. With everyone, in everything, joined to all of creation. He's one with all of creation. Okay? So there's no, the issue of absence is not the issue. But the awareness, the awareness is what we're lacking. I think it was Henry Nouwen who said, it's not the, uh, we need the presence of God, but it's the awareness of the presence of God we need in our lives. Or it was Thomas Merton, I don't know. It was, it was Richard Rohr said that too. But honestly, we're not always aware. Why? Because we're so uh, enthralled with our circumstances. We have not taken the time to resolve in advance how we're going to confront difficulties in our lives. Are we just going to react? Oh, when it happens, we'll deal with it. Well, next week, we're going to talk about some of the points of the story, and, and maybe we'll realize there's, there's a better way to begin to plan for our future. How we navigate forward matters, and some of these strategies and foundations we're talking about are critical uh, before we make any major decisions or how we respond when severe crisis happens. I'm really looking forward to next week. And next week's going to be a really good one in helping us manage our, not just our emotions, but our what to think about. Not just how, but what to focus our thinking on. Um, it's going to be really good. And we'll take a look at some lessons we've learned from Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. All right. Reminders for this coming week. Don't forget to make your donations. I'm not sure if uh, any donations came in for Benevolent last week or Compassion Fund. I didn't hear anything. So folks,